Greetings, troubled listeners. Welcome back to the Troubled Men Podcast. I am Renee Coleman, sitting once again in Snake and Jake's Christmas Club Lounge with my co-host, the original troubled man for troubled times and future mayor of New Orleans, Mr. Manny Chevrolet. Welcome, Manny. Hey, what's happening here? Oh, not too much. We got a little bit different orientation here at uh, Snake and Jake's. First time I'm facing this direction. Oh. Uh, you know, so we had, uh, last week we had one of the one of the ACs go down, critical part of this operation yeah. uh, during this it's brutal. sweltering summer months. Yeah, it's just brutal. <laughs> I saw, I think there's, a, the, the high is predicted to be 102 tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Which would match the, uh, the all-time high in New Orleans on record, I think. Well, oh, yeah, it's because we're all going to hell. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we might be there already. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, but yeah, so we're back in Snake and Jake's. We're uh, down closer to the working AC units. We've got some fans on us, uh, a little bit closer to the bar, closer yeah. to the action. There's more animals in here. Yeah, yeah. Seems still, like a lot of animals. Still got the dogs. Well, yeah, yeah. The, the, all the animals at the bar. And then, then there's two dogs in here, too. Yeah. Um, uh, we got it. Got our old, uh, my old classmate from Ben Franklin behind the bar, Mr. Juan. He's got Juan's a good, a good guy. He's got a good pouring arm. He needs to bathe once in a while. Uh, don't thing. we all? Don't we all? Uh, so, uh, how was your week, Manny? Uh, pretty uh, uneventful. I just uh, go to sleep. I wake up. I punch in. I punch out. I come home. Um, pretty uneventful. It's Pass getting out. busy for me. Okay. This might. This will probably be the last show I can do for about um, a few weeks. Okay. So. Um, all right. The kids are all. All the unwashed masses are, uh, yeah, are showing back up. Coming in and. Uh, the privileged few. I'm looking over some of my old notes here. Yeah. And I have this Mother's Day joke, which is okay. hilarious. Okay. It's kind of funny. Sure. Uh. So. This mom I know just got breakfast in bed after getting eaten out for her gift on Mother's Day. <laughs> That's kind of fun. <laughs> <laughs> just, just like the wordplay yeah, there. <laughs> yeah. Well, part of the, you know, the, the, the father ate out the mom and then the kids brought her breakfast in bed. So okay. I, I guess yeah, it's kind yeah, of funny. Yeah, I don't know. I see yeah, that's cool probably thing. why I never said it. Right, right. <laughs> that's why right. it's still in my notes. Yeah, you maybe cross yeah. that one out. <laughs> yeah, that one. You know, that's for the okay. uh, after 2 a.m. crowd. Right, 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 right. You know. It gets a little but We're blue. a family show here, right? Sure, a Manson you know. family show. Yeah, <laughs> we're some kind of family. Right, right, right. You know. And uh, speaking of family, everything's going all right with your family? Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, I haven't seen him in a few days. I actually went to uh, Pensacola Beach, played with the Iguanas uh, at the Paradise Inn, kind of uh, passes for vacation in my world, you know, uh, bring the wife over there, play. Now, uh, we're talking about being in, a, in an air-conditioned bar that's not quite air-conditioned to our liking right now. Mm -hmm. When I played Sunday in Pensacola... It was probably like 93 degrees. I played from 2.30 to 6.30 outside. Oh, God. <laughs> I hope you got paid well for that. Well, I got paid, and we, we stayed there, you know, give us hotel rooms for, for uh, the three days. We have a day off on Monday, and then we played again on Tuesday. But, but man, that, uh, that Sunday set, you know, it's like we'd 
the, the sun's not on you. That's the only thing that's good. They they orient the stage to where it's you're in the shade, but. But man, you know, trying to play and uh, it's your uh, stuff is sticking to you. And then we play a set, and I realized the first the first break, I went and chatted with a friend of mine who who came to see us. And then uh, I realized, oh fuck, what am I doing? Still standing out here? I got to go to my room and get in the deep freeze for you know five or ten minutes, bring my core temperature down. So yeah. uh, I was able to manage it. But uh, man, this. So, so I had a nice few days in, in uh, Pensacola Beach. You know, again, it was very hot there, but, you know, I, I wait till the... And did you have any sea lice? Uh, no, you know, I've, I've never, never, I, I really don't go in the water very much. Sea you know. lice or leprosy there in Florida? No, no, no. You, we were mentioning leprosy last week and you were say, talking about, uh, you know, need to have some more islands since we have new outbreaks in Florida. I guess right. in, in the U.S. in general, cases are going up. Um and it reminded me, I don't know if we've ever talked about this or if you recall, that uh, one of the two permanent uh, leprosy treatment uh, locations in, in the United States, one was in Carville, Louisiana. Forever, for, you know, it's named after James Carville's family. Um, the other one was in Hawaii, uh, Hawaii in the news, terrible fire there in Maui uh, yesterday, awful. But, uh, but yeah, the, so the, the Carville... Uh, leper leper colony or you know tr uh, treatment facility when I was uh, like maybe 19 years old someone asked if I would want to go play there at the leper colony and I said absolutely I want to go play there so uh, it was this guy that I was uh, doing some tree cutting with on the side and and uh, me and Alex Chilton went there on a Friday we just brought our uh, I brought a bass and he brought a guitar and amps and we set up in the the like cafeteria area. They had a little PA system. We started just playing songs for them, and the whole community turned out because some people live on campus, some people live in the town, and but they all turned out. They're excited to have people it's come and campus? play for them. Carville campus. Well, it's it's like a medical facility. They used to have everybody would live on the. I mean, the thing is probably like 150 years old. The, and these the, there were lepers there. They oh yeah, people that had leprosy. People had come from other countries you to get treatment. For lepers. Yeah yeah yeah. So did they tip well, lepers? <laughs> <laughs> uh, they were all out of tips, but uh, but but uh, they were very appreciative. Even like you know, kind of uh, you know, getting very moved that that we were there, and they were just having such a good time. And then after a while, uh, a couple of people started requesting songs, and yeah, we'll try to play those songs for them. And then towards the the end, a guy came up and said, "Can I sing a song?" And I was like, "Well, what song do you want to sing?" And he said, "I want to sing Feelings." Which is very ironic because uh, uh, leprosy destroys the nerve endings in your in your uh, you know your your tissue. So you, that's the one thing. That's they, the who they, sang feelings. Who was the guy who sang? It was like a, a, a Spanish Fernando guy or something. something. Yeah, 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 it was Fernando. Right. Feelings. Yeah. But uh, so anyway, this guy. We said, well, yeah, you can come sing a song. So he gets up. He has no fingers on either hand, but he takes the microphone and uh, holds it between the palms of his hands and sang feelings. And uh, he, he was... He didn't sing Fingerprint Pile by the Stones? Uh, he, 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 <laughs> he didn't do that one, but, uh, but man, oh man, it was, it was a very moving uh, experience. So anyway, I thought of that as I was going over last, last week's show. And we the, should get him on the show. Yeah, I mean, I think that guy's probably long gone. But, you know, it turns out a girl I went to high school with, I found, out, found this out years later, 
she actually grew up there because her father was a doctor on at, at the at uh, Carville, and so she lived there as a young child for several years. And then even after they moved to New Orleans, he was still working there, and she would go there for like medical care because it was a top-notch medical facility. So I might want to get her on and have her talk about her, you know, her experience of actually living on the, now, the James Carville. Now, James Carville, the pundit, this is his town? Well, it's a town named after his family. I guess maybe there was a, they had a, some kind of big you know, plantation I, uh, he there lives, one time. He lives around here, James Carville. Mm-hmm. And, uh, his wife, Mary Matlin. He used to come to the Loyola Cafeteria. The Loyola Cafeteria? Yes. James Carville, okay. Yes. Right. He likes cafeteria food. Well, anyway, no, you were he, saying I, uh, he uh, apparently uh, the UPS driver where I work, who I've gotten to know over the years, he, uh, he delivers to Carville's house, and Carville always answers the door just wearing nothing but Speedos. <laughs> <laughs> he just wears nothing but speedos. That's you know, he's a sickly looking guy. He's you know? a skinny little <laughs> he looks guy. Like yeah, a he's skeleton. You know, he looks you know like crip keeper. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He, he's a sickly looking guy. So his parents or his family started this city for lepers. Well, no, that there was just uh, I don't know how how the uh, the the facility wound up getting placed there, but I know that Carville, Louisiana, is named after James Carville's family, and uh, that's really? coincidentally. Perhaps. So he thinks he's better than us, basically. <laughs> Because he he can walk around in Speedo. Has a a little bit of an aristocratic uh, background, perhaps. Yeah. So you played a gig there. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, I think. So how did they pay you? Uh, It was uh, it was community service. I was not getting paid. Oh, you were uh, you got busted for something? Giving back? No, I was just doing it for fun, man. Just uh, because I was so interested in the prospect of seeing this place. I'd heard heard about it my whole life. Freaks and stuff. Well, no, no. It was actually you know I mean this they they figured out the cure for for leprosy. I don't know, like in the sixties or something. After you left. No, no. The, the, you were the medication, right? right? That's right. That's right. That's right. Uh, uh, laughter is the best medicine. I don't know. Music heals. Uh, whatever the operative phrase is. Um, no, it was, uh, I, I remember it like it was yesterday. No, I, I, I wouldn't uh, have traded that for the world. I can't even remember yesterday. Sure. So that makes sense. Yeah. Well, uh, last week or a couple of weeks ago, I spoke about how uh, I'd, I'd gotten my, my assessment from the assessor's office and how one of my properties, they had increased the the assessment year over year by right, over 100%. Right, you talked them down or something? Well, so I, I, uh, I made an appointment to go in today. I went and uh, addressed two different properties. I thought I had a bunch of uh, comps, you know, as, as uh, ammunition to show how, you know, my assessment was way out of line. Uh-huh. Uh, I went to, a, made an appointment ahead of time, went on the West Bank. I was the only person there. It was not, didn't have to wait in a big, long line at City Hall the way you used to. It's uh, pretty user friendly until you get speaking to the person, and then they go, "Sorry, I can't they do anything shot you down. for you." Yeah. I mean, they were very nice. They said, uh, "Yeah, look, uh, we, nice we can't yeah. can't take any of these comps that you're given. When we run the numbers again, they actually come out a little bit higher than than what we sent you." So they advised me, and I guess a lot of people are in this position. They advised me to uh, go, like, put in a complaint with the uh, the review board which is, I guess, controlled by the city council. And uh, the city council, I know, is, is going to try to be responsive. So that's my next best move is, uh, is to... Well, you've it, got time. Yeah, well, i got a few more days and then because yeah. uh, it closes, like, uh, I don't know, next week before the show well, even no, comes I, out. In fact, I'm glad you brought that up because my neighbor... Well, he's not even my neighbor. He's just a guy who lives... Acro- he owns the property across the street. He lives there. 
half the year on one side and he Airbnbs the other side. Right, right. He today actually texted my wife and I and was complaining about this, the assessments. This assessment. And it was just like, what the fuck do you, you know, why are you complaining, man? You don't even live here half the year. Get you, and I just told him, we just, so get used to it, man. Don't you, don't you know who you're dealing with down here? Right, right, you know, right. These are fucking corrupt people and they've had the rules in place forever. Well, you know, and and you know this particular thing. Uh, we used to have seven assessors that were spread out around the city. They knew the area well. They were all elected positions. Uh, you know, you could go in there, have a cup of coffee with them. You know, uh, reason with them. Uh, and bribe them. And and then the uh, <laughs> the the city of New Orleans, or rather the post Katrina. Uh, had this this kind of reform streak that was uh, came in as a virus carried by a lot of out of towners moving in, and for some reason they they were convinced they were hoodwinked into voting out the seven assessors and replacing them with one assessor. Yeah, what's his name? Errol something. Errol Williams. Yeah. Now not, I've been to his party. He's got a good party every okay, year. Okay. Well, yeah. Good uh, holiday yeah, party. Yeah, yeah. Well, he he can he's going to win every time, so he can afford to. I'm sure he collects a lot of uh, donations. Campaign he's got donations. One of those, he's got a nacho fountain. Whoa. Nacho Cheese fountain. fountain. Yeah, <laughs> oh, that's okay. fucking cool, man. Oh, one you of those go for get my your house. chips, you know, and you pour oh. the nacho fountain over the chips. <laughs> I love yeah. that, man. Classy. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, so we we uh, we now have a. a, a, a Assessor, a single assessor is basically a dictator of, of assessments. If you don't like what he says, you can leave town. You know? Yeah, that's, well, that's your one option. That's what I told my uh, neighbor across the street. You don't like it, leave. Well, now yeah. this guy uh, does short term rental on his place, and I was mentioning to, to Arnie Filco a few weeks ago. Right. That seems like if they continue in this direction, that will be the only way a, a small investor uh, who just has a couple of properties can afford to own those properties is doing short-term rentals because long-term rentals won't won't be economically feasible. So. Yeah, well, you know, I don't know. I, I really don't care. Sure. All I know is that, uh, you know, the people, to the house to the right of me and the two houses across the street are all all owned by out of towners who aren't here, so I like the peace and quiet. They're okay. never here, so I can. They don't them. have uh, 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 rambunctious, disruptive uh, no, uh, renters, uh, 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 Airbnb the people. The one across the street to the left does the Airbnb, but I haven't seen an occupant there in three months. I think because it's too fucking hot. No one yeah, wants to come right, down right, right. You know, but speaking of housing and mm -hmm. all that, sure. you're not drinking, man. You don't need a drink or something. Oh, I, I, I finished my first drink already. Oh, you already. finished your yeah. first drink? Oh, got here a little early. Yeah, <laughs> all right. Healthy appetite. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but, you know, people, the market's crazy with property and all that. But there was a neighbor. I don't know if I said this. Maybe I'm repeating myself. I don't know. But I have a, a neighbor around the corner who's just remodeled his house and stuff. And it's bulletproof. Hmm. That's Whoa. a big selling point. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, it's bulletproof. Upgrade. Yeah, he's upgraded. <laughs> Everything about his house is bulletproof. Wow. So uh, it's, uh, it's a beautiful house, okay. what I see from the outside. And I took, uh, I threw some rocks at it and nothing <laughs> happened. Yeah. And, uh, you know, so, it, you know, I think that's the wave of the future, bulletproof housing. Uh, okay, well, it's, know, uh, it's a good selling point. Comes in handy yeah. for uh, those, those drive-by uh, yeah. situations where they're going to spray all the porches with automatic fire. Exactly, yeah. Yeah. exactly. You don't want to be in there watching the wheel or uh, Jeopardy and uh, right. catch a live round. Yeah, well, <laughs> it wouldn't be the first time. It wouldn't be the first time. <laughs> 
Because uh, I don't have many friends. I have a lot of enemies, not that many friends. Sure. That I've made over the years here in New Orleans. But anyway, anything else going on with you? Um, no, I think that's about it. School's back. You know, all the, yeah. the, the uh, school zone cameras yeah. are back on. Uh, you know, a year ago, I got a, uh, a school zone camera ticket. And uh, since I had been successful at, at uh, arguing the, the previous one... That I you put, don't go to school, uh, so yeah, why, right, why, why uh, do I get a ticket? Why am I getting a ticket? <laughs> um, I've been out of school for a long time. But uh, so I, I put in a, you know, I, I disputed it. Yeah. You know, within the period of time. And I got a notice of my hearing date. And I remember talking about it on the show. The hearing date was 48 months in the future. <laughs> so now, almost a year later, my hearing date is coming up in a couple of weeks. Oh, wow. well, that should be exciting. So uh, we'll have to report on that. We'll see. Uh, hopefully, I'll be more successful with the, uh, the city attorney than I was with the, uh, the assessor's but office. But, you know, and also, before we start, we mm -hmm. got to give a shout-out to there's been a lot of celebrity deaths out there. Right. My favorite, my man, Tony Bennett. He passed away. Lost Tony Bennett. Yeah, lost Sinead. I, I had the fortune okay. to see him about three or four times right. in concert. Nice. And uh, it was beautiful. And then uh, 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 Pee Wee Herman passed away. Paul Rubens and lost I got, him. And I, and I had the a pleasure of meeting Pee Wee. Oh, nice. Uh, through a friend of a friend and, and hanging out with him a few times at some social functions. And he was a great guy. And uh, um, who else? There was someone else. Oh, uh, William Friedkin, the great right, film director, right, right. who I loved his films. Yes. Uh, very underrated. After his heyday in the 70s, he made some really good films in the 80s and 90s, and they weren't noticed. But hmm. he's a great guy. I'll have to go uh, uh, review those and, and check those out. Oh, man. There's some IMDb great search. Yeah. And uh, so that's about it. Okay, we lost also uh, uh, Sinead O'Connor. Yeah, lost her uh, in, the, yeah. in the in the shuffle. Yeah. And then uh, Robbie Robertson, the great yeah, Robbie Robertson. I, I lost never liked him yesterday. Robbie Robertson. Uh, he wrote some great songs. Yeah. He's a very cool. Well, band. I knew his daughter. Oh yeah. Yeah, I knew his daughter and Alexandra, and huh. uh, she never spoke highly of her dad. In fact, she called him a prick. But I'm not going to go anywhere after that. Right, right. There you, you know? go. All right. So and keep it in classy. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I could tell you some things. Yeah, no, but no I'm we not don't, need, say don't, that. don't need to uh, yeah, no, disparage. He, and apparently, them. they found his body floating down a lazy river. That's uh, what I heard. Huh? Okay. <laughs> uh, did not hear that, but uh, you know, breaking news Somewhere here. Somewhere down a lazy river. That All was right. his only 80s hit, I think, I remember. Oh, okay. Good yeah. memory, man. Anyway, let's get going. All right, here. all right. Let's get our guest in here. Uh, terrific guest we have here. Uh, wonderful jazz tenor saxophone player, arranger, composer. He's one of the founding members of Naughty Professor, a great jazz funk group here in town. Uh, also a member of the uh, Naughty Horns, kind of a turnkey, uh, self-contained horn section, plays on a lot of other people's records and uh, plays on a lot of uh, other people's gigs. I was out on tour with him with uh, John Papa Grow earlier this year in March. We got to spend a lot of quality time together. I'm sure he knows more about, about me than he would really care to know. But uh, <laughs> anyway, without further ado, the great Mr. Ian Bowman. Welcome, Hi, everybody. Welcome, Ian. Thanks for having me. Happy so to be why here. Why are you in so many naughty bands? What's the thing? Are you a naughty person? Uh, I mean... Who are you again? I'm, You're Ian Bowman. I'm right? Ian Bowman, yes. And I'm from Naughty Professor here in town. Uh, it's a band founded in New Orleans in the Loyola Practice Rooms in 2010. 
And actually, Renee, I have to correct you. I'm not one of the founding members of the band. Okay. I joined about two or three months into the band's history. Okay, well, close enough. Yeah. Uh, It was kind of funny, though, because, you know, it was maybe the first week of school, and I hear some guys playing some music in the practice room, and I come up and I go, hey, you guys sound great. You you mind if I jam with you guys? And the trumpet player, he he goes, uh, John, uh, you know, you probably know John. He goes, John Culberth, yeah, former guest. He goes, well, actually, we just formed a band, so this is a rehearsal, so no, you can't jam with us. And I was like, okay. So then I I kept, you know, I kept being in the practice room, just playing saxophone. I'd hear him playing, and I'd poke my head and be like, hey, you guys need a tenor saxophone player yet? Like, I can, you know, I can really bring a lot to this band. You know, a couple months of that, and then finally, you know, October that year, they got me on the gig. And then, you know, I played one song. fired you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then they asked me to be in the band after that. Oh, so okay. The rest is history. Close enough. Well, I like the, uh, the, the, uh, the stick-to-itiveness. I like the initiative. I like the, you know, it's, uh, that, that will serve you well in this business. Oh, it's the only time I've ever done anything like that. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Well, uh, so John, uh, I mean, excuse me. So Ian, I know you're not uh, you're not from New Orleans. You didn't grow up here. Uh, tell, right. tell us about your background. Uh, so I'm from Santa Cruz, California, originally. Uh, oh, okay, uh, Manny's from LA. So oh, nice, right up the road. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah, Santa Cruz is on he's the a coast. He's a NoCal kid. I'm a SoCal. <laughs> yeah, <guy>. exactly. <laughs> so there's deep hatred towards each other. <laughs> now, Santa ways. Cruz. Are you familiar with the uh, the Santa Cruz Mystery Spot? I'm definitely familiar with the Santa Cruz Mystery Spot. I went there a couple times when I was a kid, uh, and you see, you know, you see all the bumper stickers all over all the cars sure. and stuff. Uh, you know, it's kind of one of those fun tourist places. Right. Uh, you know, I, I, I knew a lot of women who always said, "I got the mystery spot." Yeah, <laughs> and they were from Santa Cruz. A few of them. Oh, yeah, a few okay. of them. And it was a mystery. I'll now, tell you that. <laughs> now, now you know something I was fascinated with when I when I visited uh, the mystery spot the last time. It was maybe only five six years ago. Uh, it's so popular with Japanese tourists that they they have a couple of dedicated guides who that's all they do is take Japanese tourists. Is that right? Yeah, I don't know for some cultural reason the, the Japanese are fascinated with these uh, these unusual phenomenon, you know, natural phenomenon. Interesting. Uh, but uh, and another thing I discovered, like I'd played. Uh, uh, I think it's uh, uh, Moe's Alley or something yep, there. Moe's Alley, yeah. Many times. Stayed at the same hotel uh, right off the highway. Uh, when I left the mystery spot the last time, I'm driving out towards the highway. I'm like, that's the fucking hotel. <laughs> right <when I> had, <laughs> passed on the road, right? That's the hotel I stayed in every time. Anyway, so you're from Santa Cruz. Uh, your family's been out there for a while. How, how, do you, how do the Bowmans wind up out in Santa Cruz? Um, well, let's see. My mom is from California. She's from Southern California, actually, originally. She's from uh, Glendale. Okay. And uh, she moved around a bit. And uh, my dad is from Illinois. Uh, he's an electrical engineer, and he got recruited by a Silicon Valley startup while he was in college. Uh, so we moved out there for a job. Met my mom when she was living in uh, Saratoga, I think it was. Now, uh, how, old, Cupertino, how, old, how old is your dad? Like our age or something? Uh, both of my parents were born in 1960. So okay, they're, little, what are they, 63 now. Yeah, a little bit older than us. All right. Okay. So, and you're saying, so wait a minute, let's get back. I, you know, yeah. I went up and down the fucking coast. What is this mystery spot? I don't, I don't know what the hell you're talking about. Oh, it's, uh, it, it's, it's kind of like a, a tourist attraction. Uh, it's mm-hmm. like a museum. Where they have a bunch of weird things happening, like uh, uh, there's a room where a ball will roll uphill, 
Uh, so it's like an escape room or something? No, well, not really. It's like a... It's like where where uh, uh, a museum the, of oddities. That's kind of what okay. It is. Right, right. The, something will will swing in a in a you know, like like gravity seems to not be at, at work uh, in right. certain things, or they'll have. Now, how does this start in Santa Cruz? Who who invents this? I don't know. Actually, I, okay. I haven't been there since I was maybe like seven years old. Oh, okay. <laughs> I, I think they have one in Abita, Louisiana, uh, as well. Oh, There's actually, a, oh, yeah. I've I think I've been to that one. Really, I haven't been there, but. Uh, it's, uh, I think it's a similar kind of deal where they have uh, things that that seems like they they would so not be the like case. So it's like a House of Freaks kind of thing. It's a little bit like that, yeah. except without or, without uh, uh, any Rip- organ. Ripley's believe it or not, right. it's, it's yeah. kind of like that. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. And it's but I thought Santa Cruz had more things that they have that great amusement park. Right, the they? boardwalk. Spent yeah. a lot of time there when I was a teenager. And isn't Joey Chestnut from Santa Cruz? I don't know who Joey the, Chestnut he's is. He's the hot dog eating champion. Oh, oh, actually, I do know who that guy is. Yeah. He's yeah. He's if he Santa is, Cruz. I didn't know that. Wow, yeah, good for him. <laughs> he's from Santa Cruz, I think. All right. I'm a big fan of his. Huh. Yeah, he's a cool guy. <laughs> yeah. Not only that he I'm, eats hot dogs, he wins that every year, but he's also uh, a, a champion of eating uh, uh, down here. He's a red beans and rice champion. Oh, really? Is that right? Yeah, he huh. ate like 28 pounds in like a half hour okay. of red huh. beans and rice. You know, I didn't hadn't heard that. Yeah, but, uh, it was at the sense. fairgrounds. Makes it was at the fairgrounds. They right. had that competition. Nice. Right. You know, but anyway, getting back to you. Right, right. So, so you're growing up there now. Uh, I, I think you were telling me at one point you were homeschooled. Yeah, that's right. I was homeschooled until fifth grade. Oh, uh, now, what what was the reason behind that? So Just, uh, they didn't want to let you out of their sight. Or, uh, <laughs> well, partially, probably. You know, my parents are. Uh, you know, they're very uh, involved in my upbringing. Okay. Now, um, did you like that? Is that or did it had its positives and negatives for okay. sure? Uh, I, I think getting homeschooled early was kind of the right time to do that because you know that's when you actually still like your parents. <laughs> <laughs> sure, you don't want to leave. Yeah, and uh, it was. You know, I didn't have to slog through all this busy work or you know adapt my learning style to a big classroom full of kids. And we were part of a, a pretty big homeschooling group, so there were you know curricula that we could use. There were classes that we could take. Uh, if we wanted to, some of the other parents who had expertise in certain fields. Mm. And so it was a pretty well-resourced education. And uh, I, I learned a lot, and I developed a, a, a love of learning mm. while I was doing that, uh, mostly because I didn't have to do all the busy work that comes with school. But my parents, really, they, they wanted me to be homeschooled because they didn't want me to have this kind of prison mentality about my education hmm. which they feel like public school that's can. going to with having school with the minorities right <laughs> oh god the prison kind of uh, no, no comment um because <laughs> you would have had to go with the skinheads right oh god uh, <laughs> just okay, to survive let's, let, let, let's pick a different analogy or the LGBTQ Wi-Fi <laughs> community in, I don't know I'm saying right, we're just, we're uh, just spitballing yeah, here yeah. Um, but yeah no then it, it was kind of like my. I saw my sister she asked to go to real school uh when she hit seventh grade and then I saw her studying for her midterm exams and you know she had her whole room covered in post-it notes and everything I saw her writing all these research papers and stuff and I was like you know like if I'm gonna have to learn how to do this kind of stuff like I I should start now oh okay and so fifth grade I went to this uh, really small private elementary school with you know 16 kids in my class Mm. and uh kind of got used to the whole dynamic of school 
And then... Uh, now, did you feel like you were well-prepared, uh, having been homeschooled, coming into this uh, group setting? You didn't feel I like mean, you were behind or anything? It was... No. Uh, I mean, I... Yeah, because, again, the you know, the curriculum was all there. They had a, a whole research resource center, and there was... You know, I'd have meetings with academic counselors every month while okay. I was homeschooling. So it was, but you what's know, your interaction with other students? Oh, yeah. No, I was woefully under-socialized, for okay. sure. Like, uh, I had a, a nice group of friends while I was homeschooling, but, like, the whole homeschooling culture, like, there's this, this whole, like, dog-eat-dog aspect when you get yeah, to school. that's what it sounds like to me. And, you know, it's like, I remember I was taking an art class while I was homeschooling, and the art teachers used to, you know, teaching in school. And the first thing she tells us is like, now it's really important that you don't make fun of anybody else's art. And all I could think was, why on earth would anybody make fun of somebody else's art? That's cruel. That's an expression of their soul. How could you criticize something like that as their peer, you know? Like, who would be so mean and crass oh, as to do right. that? Yeah. But then you realize, <laughs> oh, everybody would. Right, right. yeah, but that's homeschool culture. Is everybody's nice to each other. Everybody supports yeah. each other, and everybody's friends. And then I got to school, and, like, you know, kids are punching me for no reason. I'm like, what the heck are you doing? Like this, it's, it's, That's more like prison. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. <laughs> So your sister, how did she turn out? Oh, terribly. Yeah? Okay, what is she up to now? Oh, she lives in uh, Northern California with her boyfriend, uh, maybe fiancé, I don't know. We'll Is they growing pot or they're starting a cult? Oh, who knows? You or, know, probably or, both. Or, or an yeah. army. Yeah. Yeah. Pot cult. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, 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 right. <laughs> At what point do you start getting interested in music, playing music, studying music? Uh, so I was... A piano player ever since I was, you know, six years old or something. Uh, it, it was just something that came naturally to me. You know, my mom started teaching me music lessons, teaching me music notation and stuff when I was maybe six or seven. Mm -hmm. uh, started taking piano lessons. I got this keyboard that uh, it was a great keyboard, the best teaching instrument, some Casio keyboard from the 90s. Oh, and cool. if you played a chord on it, it would have a sheet, a computer screen with little sheet music. It'd it would show you the sheet music of and, what you played. analyze what chord and, it was. Yeah, it'd be like, uh -huh. oh, that's a C major 7 you just played. Oh, and, wow. Uh, so you really could kind of discover by just playing clusters, and it would, right. uh, it would figure it out. And, and uh, so I kind of taught myself music theory. Uh, sixth, you know, fifth grade, I was in the, one of the rotating piano players in the band. Sixth grade, we got a new band teacher. She said, there's no piano in band. What? If you play piano, you need to learn a different instrument or go to music appreciation. I went to music appreciation. It was a bunch of kids watching Veggie Tales. Oh. I don't know if you're familiar. Oh, I remember that shit. Yeah. 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 Kind of a Christian message overall. <laughs> yeah, really? I, yeah, I mean, I didn't really pay attention. Christian message. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so I was like, man, fuck this. <laughs> I, don't, I, the, I care about music. Right. So I went to the local music shop, and I, they were like, we have three band instruments, trumpet, trombone, or alto saxophone. So I kind of eeny, meeny, miny, mo picked alto saxophone and it was the easiest instrument I've ever played and so you know just kind of stuck with it <laughs> uh, that was my first instrument as well uh, alto uh, nice. it, it is a good instrument too it's the easiest uh, horn to get a sound out of oh, yeah. yeah it's not like playing trumpet where you know you're playing for weeks before you can even play a scale exactly you know, yeah. months perhaps but uh, okay so and so you go into band you enjoy that playing with the ensemble and all and never never did that before huh Right, yeah. Um, you know, it's always been solo piano recitals. And I, uh, I actually have terrible fine motor skills, like the worst manual dexterity of anybody you'll ever meet. Hmm. Uh, I took a test, actually, uh, like a, a, a in whatever, intelligence aptitude test. 
and I did great in all the sections, great in the language department, great in the math department, great in the, you know, uh, all, all these different departments. And then <laughs> fine motor skills, I was in the bottom 5% of those oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> so if you meet 20 people, more than likely I'm going to be the worst with my hands. So huh. piano was always kind of a challenge, but in saxophone, you got your fingers all in the same place the whole time. Okay. And so it's easy. You just, once you learn the fingerings, you're done. <laughs> huh. Okay. So as long as you didn't have to move your fingers uh, out of position, you were okay. Right. Like the, you could. You actually did have some coordination uh, as far as like making them fit. Uh, you know, making them function. Exactly. Okay. Are you getting bit, man? I'm getting fucking uh, bit here. No, no. I, I think there's been. fleas in this huh. place, Uh-oh. man. Or uh, it's uh, sea lice, perhaps. Yeah. Uh, I don't know, man. I don't know. When do you first start getting uh, real serious about it? You start hearing jazz, or what kind of music inspires you to think, gee, I might want to do this for real? So I was always kind of a, a snobby listener. You know, when I was nine, ten years old, the only thing I would listen to is classical radio. Okay. And uh, then I could see that you have like a, you like to hold yourself above other people. I exactly, understand it. Exactly. Yes, know, I, I think know, I'm better right? than most. So Zeppelin. No, you are. It's true. Who <laughs> class radio? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, no, I do. I do love those bands. It's just when I was when I was a kid, I was listening to you know, it's all. And I was I was rock like, me Amadeus. <laughs> were you listening to that? <laughs> and I was like listening to it, being like, oh, I bet that's Vivaldi. Like that's got to be. I don't know this piece, but like that's got to be Vivaldi. Yeah. Uh, you know, right, I was like, right. I was one of those guys. Right. <laughs> uh, then, uh, then I discovered the saxophone, and it's like, oh, if you play saxophone, then you play jazz music. And okay. so I started getting into jazz music uh, pretty much right away. Um, got into like Cannonball Adderley, nice. uh, John Coltrane. I always love Cannonball's tone, man. Yeah, She's big seriously. as a house. Holy moly. Um, and I could never play like that on alto. It wasn't until. 10th grade, you know, I, I got to 7th through, tw- I went to a 7th through 12th high school, and so I started playing in the band, started playing in the jazz band in 8th grade, and then it wasn't until 10th grade that I did this local audition band, the Kuwumba Honor Band, it was called. Okay. Uh, it was like a countywide jazz Now, are you combo. smoking pot? And cigarettes? Uh, I mean, not until, uh, not, not until... Like eighth grade. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, well, that's cool. Uh, but no, you know, I, uh, I, because I, I, you're a jazz man, right? Right. You know, I had to, I had to fit the part. Uh, yeah, cigarette. Yeah, sure, exactly. sure, sure. Well, that's good. That's good. But uh, yeah, but then I, I started playing tenor because uh, some, I, I got, you know, I got this gig with the Kuwamba Honor Band, and they already had an alto player. And they're like, oh, you know, we saw that you have a tenor. We want you to play tenor. Right. I was like, oh, shit. And so I learned tenor all quick. And then I was like, I realized that all the all the sax players that I was listening to are playing tenor. Exactly. And yeah, I was I mean, like, this is, is my sound. Alto was popular in the 40s, you know. Right. And uh, yeah. yeah, then it then kind of trailed off after that. You know, if you weren't if you weren't Cannonball and you weren't Phil Woods or somebody. Yeah, right. <laughs> At what point do you really start taking off as a, as a musician at some point during high school to, to where you think, oh, this is actually something I want to do professionally? Um, I think I had an interesting moment, actually, when I was uh, after a saxophone lesson, maybe a year into taking saxophone lessons with my first uh, serious saxophone teacher. Uh, I was maybe like 13. He, I had a conversation with my mom after the lesson, and she was like, hey, I just wanted to let you know that after, after the lesson you just had, your teacher came up to me and said, 
I hope you know your son is going to be a musician when he grows up. <laughs> Break the bad news to and him. So, yeah, exactly. And so you talk a lot about your mom uh-huh. as an influence, but where's your dad? He's just working? Oh, my dad, he was, uh, yeah, I mean, he was a, a big nine-to-five guy. He worked uh, about an hour and a half away, so I'd really, you know, he woke yeah. up at 4.30 in the morning to get ready, right. got home after five or something. So, you know, right. he was there, and he's great. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, especially when I was homeschooling, it was... My, you know, my mom was the, the face of the, right, the parenting yeah. side. Usually for boys, that's the case, too. Mm. Mom is much bigger influence at a certain Yeah, time. dad's just competition, yeah. potentially. Yeah. <laughs> it's just, just yeah. uh, getting in the way of, of your, your access to your mother. Perhaps I've said too much. I don't know. What that, um, I have no uh, idea what that means. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I think you did say too much. Moving on. Yeah. Um, so uh, at, at that point, uh, you were realizing this as well that uh, it's it is your your fate, your destiny. Your, yeah. Your, and I, I and started your downfall, uh, right? Your downfall. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, my my bank account also realizes that I'm a musician now. Right. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you know, I started doing all these programs. Like there, there. Santa Cruz actually has a, a pretty strong jazz education program. There's the Kuamba uh, Jazz Club, which is uh, a very old and historic jazz venue. All the all the people, you know, all the A-list jazz musicians would come through. They'd play San Francisco. They'd play Oakland, Yoshi's. You know, yeah. they do the San Jose Jazz Festival when that was happening. Right. And then on the weekdays, they'd need somewhere to to you know fill the date. Mm-hmm. So they'd come down to Santa Cruz. They play the Kuamba. Okay. And so you know for. So when I was like 12, 13 years old, I started doing the Kuamba Jazz Summer Camp. Uh, they had all these educational programs. And at the end of the week, you got to play on the, on the stage in the Kuamba in front of an audience. And so it's like you're playing the same stage that Herbie Hancock has played. And right. you're playing the same, you know, like all of these legends from decades and decades news, of, of right? history. And yeah. And, uh, you, you know, it's it, you just feel the energy while you're up there. And so that kind of like... It, it, it sort of like lit the fire in my blood to, to keep and pursuing jazz. You're 14 jazzies. years old, right? And this has going on. Y- 13, yeah, thir- 13, I think. 14. Yeah. Wow. yeah. Cool. Now, were there some other kids that went through that that wound up being monsters later on that you've you've uh, crossed paths with since then, or, or oh, you were man. you were you were the only one that you, that you know? Of? It's. I mean, it's been so long. And sure, I, sure. I've yeah. lost touch with a lot of those right, kids. Right. Okay. Uh, because they're in prison remember. now? <laughs> yeah, yeah, probably, yeah, probably yeah. most of us. <laughs> it's, it's, it's hard to get letters in and out. Um, okay, so uh, so at some point you, uh, you, you graduate from high school, and uh, how do you wind up in New Orleans? Uh, so I had, you know, I did a big... He goes uh, to the Carver camp. <laughs> Carville, yeah, yeah. Carville, yeah. Carville camp. Louisiana. Um, I, you know, I, I actually, I, the high school that I went to is like uh, one of the most rigorous college prep courses in America. Uh, you know, my, uh, a third of my class went to Ivy, uh, you know, a third of my graduating class went to Ivy League universities and stuff. It's one mm-hmm. of those. Right, right. One, one of those schools. And, uh, you know, so I, I, I had a lot of options when I graduated where I could go to college. And I did a big, you know, I did my big audition tour, got in through most of my auditions. Uh, I think the only one I didn't get into was USC, because uh, when I got there, Bob Mincer was on the panel. He's sitting on this elevated desk surrounded by all the other judges. And I walk in, and he just goes, all right, what do you got? 
<laughs> I was all nervous. Because you didn't pay to play at USC, and that's what it's all about there. Right. You know, growing I up in L.A., man, I knew USC. Oh, yeah? Yeah, fuck yeah. It's all, you know, look at all those celebrities who got busted paying for their kids to go there just oh. in the past year and stuff. Oh, okay. So you weren't paying. That's why the USC didn't want you. Fair uh, enough. You didn't sign a big <laughs> enough check. But, I mean, in, in all fairness, I did kind of botch my audition because I was all nervous while Bob Minster was giving me the Now, who is Bob Minster? Bob Minster is the saxophone player for the Yellow Jackets since the 90s. I don't know who that is. Um, okay. I don't know the Yellow he's, Jackets. Uh, he, he's, he's one of those, like, big... Big shot tenor player, oh, okay. jazz musicians. Right. Right, right, right. Uh, well, we got to get him on the show. Yeah, yeah. we'll get him on. <laughs> Good the luck. Show. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe Ian can Ian can uh, can yeah, facilitate yeah. that for us. Oh no way! He's, he's on my shit list, man. Uh, okay. <laughs> fuck, fuck that guy! He's never coming on the show. Uh, but yeah, anyway, so I I had all these options to get go to except for USC because you know, mm, right. uh, and so I was kind of I was just kind of thinking about like at this point in my life it was like. You want to throw a monkey wrench into the thing? I don't know. <laughs> Maybe it was that. You want to go know. back to the mystery room? Yeah, right? I, I just I, I I didn't want to have another uh, another experience like I had in in high school, where I was you know up until three a.m. writing all these ten page papers every day. Right. And I also didn't want to end up with a lot of student debt. And now my sister had just gone to Syracuse New University on no scholarship, mm. out of state. And so that was, you know, it, it, it broke the college fund. It, right. You know, my parents had to chip in a lot. You know, my sister graduated with some debt. Right. And then when it was my turn to decide on a college, like I pretty much narrowed it down to NYU or uh, Loyola. And those were the schools that had given me the most money. But NYU actually gave me more money than Loyola did, but their tuition was like $30,000 higher. Right. So... In the end, it's like if I went to Loyola, I was going to pay about $8,000 for my college education. Nice. If I went to NYU, I was going to pay about $100,000 for my college education. Okay. And so my parents put it to me like this. They're like, when you graduate, do you want to have money or do you want to have debt? Right, <laughs> I was exactly. like, well, you know, I could probably get used to partying in New York, New Orleans after right, right. <laughs> working my ass fun. off for six you years. You want to have fun. Sure. And, you know, NYU didn't have a campus or anything. It was like, you know, I want to live in a dorm. I want to go party. I want right. to, you know, I want to have the college experience. Okay. And I thought Loyola was going to give me that experience. And I also knew that I could go there for basically free. Right. Uh, so now, I picked Loyola. Were you recruited by somebody uh, from... Or who'd you audition for? Was that Tony DeGrotti? It was or? John Mahoney that I auditioned okay, for. Okay, my advisor when I was there at uh, yeah. Loyola, John Mahoney. It was kind of funny, Mahoney. actually. Uh, I got into my audition. I had a Jamie Abersold play along. I played about two and a half courses with my Jamie Abersold play along, and he just turns the turns the the, the boombox off, and he just goes, "That's enough." Welcome to Loyola. <laughs> nice, nice. Well, you know, I, I don't know if I, I, I think I might have mentioned this quote to you. Uh, I was, uh, was making a record one time, and uh, we're listening back to this guy's solo, and another horn player's there. The, the guy whose solo it was is not in the room. Another horn player, and the second horn player is listening to the solo. He goes, man, Jamie Abersall does not give a fuck about you or this record. <laughs> 
Hell yeah. And I thought that's the most <laughs> hilarious thing because, you know, I guess this that was like a knock at, at uh, you know, this other horn player saying, oh, you're going through patterns for jazz. You know, this sounds uh -huh. like you're, you're, you're doing some sort, of, uh, some sort of exercise, you know, and yeah. that's not what this is about. Right. So, Anyway, uh, Jamie Abersall, maybe the first time he's come up in this podcast. Uh, <laughs> and hopefully the last per time. Perhaps uh, the last. Now I feel like um, a nerd. <laughs> no, no. I, I tell you what. When I was a kid, I had this thing called uh, Music Minus One. So it's, it's before they had like videos oh, that you I've could play along this. with. Yeah. And it was a record. On one side, it would be like a full band with, with your, all the instruments. Right. On, and you could pick which instrument. So I'd pick like, you know, bass. On the other side, it was all those same instruments, but without your part. Right. And they would send you the sheet music. And then you could listen to what somebody who actually played the parts the way they were meant to be played and then you could play along and have it was a way to get like practice time if you didn't yeah. if you were too young to have a band or you know have any any kind of ensemble so uh -huh. know, that's it's uh this is, this is real uh dark now, ages kind of shit now we got the about. i real app <laughs> yeah 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 so that's all that stuff is uh so anyway so you get to loyola um what's your experience there uh you, i think you told me about going into a combo class <laughs> <laughs> and, and they were talking about like, well, here's a blue scale. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Im improv class. I see because orientation week, I I just spent the whole week partying, and so I did. I missed my opportunity to kind of like audition out of improv class. Oh holy moly, man! Sorry, I'm going to cut you off because uh, we're way over time. No wonder you're we're all thirsty, Manny. It's, uh, it's okay. It's that time. Yeah, well, sorry to cut you off. Okay, Let's, no We're going to go to the mystery bathroom right now. <laughs> And uh, Troubled Nation knows the cue. We'll be right back. with Mr. Manny Chevrolet. Yes. I am Renee Coleman. Yes. Back with our guest, Mr. Ian Bowman. Hello. Now, uh, Ian, uh, I know you're somewhat unfamiliar with the Troubled Men podcast, and uh, I won't belabor this point uh, too much, but, uh, you know, we're back to our, our listener sponsorship. We like to call it uh, Loose Change. It's a, okay. it's a shorthand for, uh, for that. And for begging. 
Yes, yes. Uh, well, you know, we're 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 throwing all this this uh, content, all this entertainment out there, uh, uh, un un uh, uncompensated. Give but, these and, men some money. And we do have we do have some expenses. You know, we have uh, have uh, podcast hosting expenses. We have uh, cocktails that were that uh, lubricate the whole operation, and. Uh, Turns out this week we don't have any shout-outs because uh, we didn't get any uh, contributions other than our, our, our patrons on the Patreon page. And we, we are eternally grateful for those people who are signed up and, and uh, support us every month. But uh, I want to beseech everyone to get involved. Uh, you'll, you'll enjoy the shows more if you're, if you're actually contributing. You'll feel like you're, oh, you're really? participating. <laughs> yeah, I think that's true. You know, uh, it's like okay. you, you feel like you're, you, you, know, you, you have a stake in it. Um, beyond that, uh, so they have you know, a say in it, is yeah, what you're saying. Uh, and and you know if you're you know we'll always take questions. You know anybody that wants to uh, 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 offer some questions to us, maybe what we'll read them on the air. What does beseech mean? To implore you to uh, oh, okay to uh, you know persuade he you. Uses so lots of big words. I like the oh, I love it. Yeah, yeah, I like yeah, the words. Yeah. I like the vocabulary. It's yeah. fun. You know, Ian. That's something Ian and I uh, bonded over. I think. In fact, I think I I used a word that you. <laughs> That, that I can't remember what it was. But oh you're like, yeah. What what is that? Yeah. Okay. All right. I, I, that, that turned me on. That, that you were turned on by that. Okay. Um, but uh, we still have the Trouble Men podcast T-shirts, which are available. Uh, uh, again, uh, the 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 PayPal and Venmo links are in the show notes of every show. You can uh, contribute to the show directly. And uh, we have the Patreon page. You can sign up for. Maybe I'll come cut your lawn uh, if you're if you're lucky or unlucky. Uh, if you like that sort of thing. Uh, also, uh, follow us on social media. Uh, so you're willing that? to cut another man's lawn? Yeah, you know. Really? I don't think lots of guys would like Time that. is right, you know. You time know? is right. The mood strikes me. You never, you never know. You know? Anything's possible, man. Really? Um, I know uh, you it is. Yeah. You know? Oh, yeah. You know, I'm we know your past. I'm a fun-loving guy. You know, I lean that way, as you say. Um uh yes uh instagram uh facebook sign up uh share uh um rate review and subscribe to the podcast wherever you're wherever you're listening to it give us five stars uh, helps us out a lot costs you nothing um i think that's about it for now uh, all right i don't have any gigs to plug because i don't have any gigs uh for for now for now it's gonna challenge is gonna be filling up anyway back to our guest mr ian bowman now ian when i when now, i wait so a minute ian, bowman what kind of name is that what is that uh is that irish english well actually uh native american it's it has something to do with archery uh i i believe so yeah it's adapted from bowman uh, my great great grandfather, I believe it was, came over on a boat by himself when he was a uh, like a teenager or a kid or something. Uh, Just him in one boat, no one else. That's that's what the legend, the Bowman family legend says. And uh, he was escaping from somewhere. I don't know where he was escaping from. Hmm. And uh, he he went to Minnesota, I believe it was, and got adopted by the Bowman family. Wow, oh. and then that later got changed to Bowman for reasons that are uncertain. So you don't even know what his last name was. Yeah, I'm originally I'm not a Bowman by blood. I don't right. believe right. So okay. you don't even know what your. Uh, have you ever had like Twenty uh, Three uh, and Me or uh, Ancestry dot com to know what? Uh, you know, I think uh, my mom did that once, and she got like thirty percent African or something, and it just didn't make any sense because yeah, yeah. Well, that's a whole rip scam, got, right? Got yeah, mixed up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's 
a scam. Got lost in the mail. I don't, I don't know how accurate yeah. those results yeah. are. Sure, it's yeah, like yeah, uh, getting a colon test through the mail. That's a scam, too, man. You know, come on. Yeah. You mail a piece of your shit yeah. to some place in Northern <laughs> California and they come back with your results. Give me a break. Man. I'm going to try that sometime. Yeah, no, it's all good, uh, it's as all they good. say, you know. So right. now you're in New Orleans. Right, yeah. so you're, you're New Orleans. You graduated. Right. Nobody likes you. You're playing right, in bands. Right. Well, well, we were saying you're, we were talking about you entering a, a improv class right. in your first week at Loyola. I, lo- I like this story. Yeah, and, and so I was... You know, having had such a, a thorough jazz education in high school, you know. And now, correct me, I, I keep interrupting you, but hadn't you already recorded your first solo record when right. you were still like a senior in high school? Yeah, the summer of my junior year, I okay. was, you know, I was trying to collect all these accolades for my college resume, and I had a, a, a private college admissions counselor or whatever, and she recommended, oh, you should show your your utility as a musician by recording your own album. So I was like, okay. So I just, you know, the lowest budget I could, I, I'd already been composing since I was 12. You know, mm. I had a, this whole book of songs that I'd written. And so nice. I was like, okay, I can, you know, write out the sheet music for what I don't have sheet music for and, you know, hire my friends, bring them into the studio. And so that's what I did. And, you know, it was one day of recording, one day of mixing, no mastering. Right. And then uh, took it to disc makers Got a thousand copies, sold a hundred to my friends at school, and have the other nine hundred in my attic now. Oh, good for you! Yeah. Like everybody else. Uh, okay, right. <laughs> all right. So back to uh, improv class. You have a, a thorough grounding. You're you're quite uh, educated already in in improvisation right. theory. Uh, and you know, I, I had a lot of peers who were my age who had similar levels of education, right. and we were playing. You know, we were analyzing. You know, all these. Uh, Wayne Shorter tunes and, right, and stuff right. like that, and then I get to Improv One, and it's like, okay, this is the blues scale. <laughs> this is what a two-five is, and right. half of the kids, this is the first time they're hearing about this yeah. stuff, and they're they're jazz majors, right? And I'm like, what the <laughs> hell are you doing here? You know, how do you think you're ever going to? And this? At, at about a couple weeks into the program, the the teacher just started being like, okay, everybody, just listen to Ian, like just listen to how he plays this part, like do, oh, do it like he does it, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And you know, now, you got that, laid from that, right? You got laid. Oh from hell that. no! no? Oh, okay. <laughs> that didn't work. Okay, no. all right. There now, are no girls in the jazz department. Oh, really? <laughs> now did now did that make you think twice about the program? Did you think, uh, gee whiz, I don't know, uh, half of these people are probably not going to be doing this in four years? Uh, right, and most of them weren't. And right? you know, it was like that's the same feeling I had when I, yeah. I looked around. I was like, oh man, I don't know if this is <laughs> really a path to somewhere. And some of the kids who weren't, you know, weren't really able to to be on the level. They, some of them just didn't show up to class, and it was like, right. okay, they, you know, a lot of these kids were probably still trying to figure out what they wanted to do, going there on their parents' money or whatever, right, you know. Right, right. So, um, a certain winnowing process. Yeah, right, right. and they so killed it kinda, themselves. Maybe, <laughs> I don't maybe. know. Haven't uh, haven't kept in touch with too many of them. They're, they're dead to him anyway. But, <laughs> it, yeah. but I, at that point, I kind of realized like I'm only going to get out of this what I put into it. Oh, and so, you, you know, it was like when it was uh, when I had an assignment to do any transcription, I'd try to pick something that I was really interested in, something that was a real challenge for me. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I was able to kind of push myself to to learn more while I was in. Well, I was going to Loyola, 
And uh, I, I think the, the big thing for me was all the connections that I made. Well, you had a great teacher in Tony DeGrotti, right? Absolutely, yeah. And, and uh, Jason Mingeldorf, did you study with him as well? Not as much. Uh, I did a, a couple semesters in, in the Jazz Band 2, which he was running. Okay. Um, like when I had my injury, actually. That was interesting. The last semester of my senior year, I had a... Uh, crippling finger injury. I almost lost a finger in a. Uh, somebody opened their door on me while I was on my bike, and uh, so I couldn't play for like three months. And so they just stuck me in the jazz band too, and kind of help had me like help out there. Mm-hmm. And uh, now you showed me you had actually totally uh, relearned uh, the way to play with your right hand, correct? Where you right. start using your thumb instead of your first exactly, finger? Exactly, yeah, because I had my pinky and my ring finger on my right hand were uh, uh, splinted together. And so what I would do is, you're, you're only using four fingers on your right hand. Your thumb is usually supporting the saxophone. So what I did is I just used my hip to support the saxophone. I put my thumb where my index finger was, my index finger where my middle finger is supposed to go, middle finger where the ring finger is supposed to go, and then I used my double splinted pinky and ring finger to do the pinky's job. So wait, wait, let's go back a second. So you're on a bicycle and you ran into a door? Yes, a door ran into me. A car door? A car door, yeah. Oh, okay, okay. That makes more sense. I was I thought, on, I yeah, I was on St. Charles <laughs> Avenue. Like door. Dorm room door. No, 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 no. St. Charles Avenue. I was in the bike lane. Bunch of traffic. I was kind of hugging the right side of the bike lane. Some, <laughs> you know, some old guy that wasn't paying attention opened his Mercedes door on me. Right, right. And uh, I didn't, like, fly over the handlebars. I stopped dead and fell backwards off the bike, which is worse. So Did you kick worse. his ass? No way. I was completely crippled. crippled. I, my, yeah. my finger Did was dangling. Ass? Well, that's the thing. is, I, I, is uh, some, some guardian angel came and helped me, and he got his information from him. But, uh, that guy's name is Morris Bart? <laughs> no. Oh. That guy's name Lomack. is... Womack. <laughs> uh, no, he was actually a, a, a radio host for an AM radio station. His name was Kevin... Oh, no. I can't remember his last name. Uh, shoot. Okay. Well, well, he must have been a big influence. Yeah, he was, uh, it'll come yeah. back to you. Yeah. Uh, but he got his information. The guy did. He, he wrote it down illegibly, so I couldn't call him and try to. But you know, I didn't have a light on my bike. It was eight eight at night. It was dark. Okay. I was wearing like navy was... blue. I was going about thirty five miles an hour. It felt like you were asking and you were for fucked it. Fucked up. Right? <laughs> yeah. well, no, it... I was on my way to a final. Actually. Oh really? <laughs> it was brutal. Yeah. What so was anyway... your grade in that final? A, I had to take a later. You, you got to get it. Yeah, I got 100%. All right. All right. Yeah. 100%. Nice, oh, yeah. Ian. <laughs> he says it with, with, with uh, uh, the expectations. Of course, I got 100%. I like that, man. I like the confidence, Ian. I got extra time, though, because I had to write the essay with my left hand, you know? Holy moly. <laughs> Jesus Christ, man. So, yeah, I can't believe you lear- relearned to play with, your, the, with the, the, the right hand in that position. Anyway, so, so you got something out of, of your education. Yeah, real. definitely. And the biggest thing you got out of it was this, uh, this band that you, uh, you, you warmed your way into in the practice room. Absolutely. <laughs> Naughty professor. Right. We uh, started touring right away as soon as we all graduated. Uh, started hitting the road. I, I want to say, I mean, I don't have numbers, but probably close to about 100 shows a year. Uh, going all over the country, and then eventually all over the world, playing our our own original music, and uh, so that was uh, you know it's, it's been a, a very fortunate experience to be part of that. Right, and then then uh, 
uh, John uh, Culbreth, when he was on the show, he was talking about how y'all in the last couple of years kind of started transitioning into doing more uh, like um, educational college performance arts type type performances where you, you don't mm -hmm. have to go into a club and necessarily draw people right. in a town you've never been to before. Yeah. Um well, I mean, really, it was the, like everybody else, it was the pandemic that really slowed us down. Uh, you know, it was starting it was to... It's Manny's favorite time that he's ever of his life, almost, <laughs> you know, since, since he got off Alvarado Street, you know. Oh, uh, man. Same back to pandemic. Same, man. you know, I got to feel like I was retired for a year oh, and a half. I loved it was great, it, you know. I and my, my band had just gotten a grant approved, yeah. so, like, we were just sailing through it, man. It was Fuck great. yeah. Bring back. <laughs> no, you didn't have to give the grant back, did you? No, no oh, way. Man. We got to keep it. And we had a, uh, I had a gig lined up with Universal Studios, and uh, the, the agent... You played Jaws. <laughs> no, we played a bunch of New Orleans music for uh, their Mardi Gras party. Uh, uh, we did it for years, and we had it lined up again. The pandemic hit, and they had to cancel. And our oh, the agent man. that got us the gig, uh, Adam Shipley, you guys probably know Adam. Oh yeah. yeah. Uh, he uh, he hit him up, and he was like, "No, you're not going to give. Like, you guys are going to give him a hundred percent of the money that you offered. Okay. Like, they were counting on there this money, you and you, yeah. you had booked them. They had can't, you know. And yeah. So that's a, that's what that's what a manager earns and their that's, money, man. Yeah, that's, and that's, that was a big money gig. So I had just you know money coming from not doing any work coming love in. Love it. So love it. Made yeah. it through the pandemic. Yeah. <laughs> that's nice. Now, Manny said Jaws, oddly enough, and uh, you, you actually have a kind of a, you were telling me on the road that you have one of the uh, largest underbites uh, known to man. Yes, I do, actually. <laughs> uh, I've talked to probably a good half dozen uh, oral health professionals, you know, orthodontists, periodontists, oral mm -hmm. surgeons, dentists. And, and every single stars. one, <laughs> yeah. well, a couple of them, but you know, I don't, I don't know if I trust their opinion yeah. on this matter. Sure, yeah, but yeah. Uh, spitballing. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but they all agree that I am the worst underbite that they've ever seen in their careers. Every single one. Do you think that helps with your playing? I think it probably affects my sound and makes me sound like. Part, part of the way that I sound different. is because of it that. But I mean, I don't use proper technique. It's, okay. it's got to be challenging. Yeah, man. I mean, it's uh, I've only ever played the saxophone one way, which is with this jaw, so I don't know. Uh, but don't listen to these people. Yeah. They just want to fucking but break your jaw, make your new teeth. Less than four scam. months from now, I'm going uh, to have it corrected. I, I had one surgery two years ago. I'm getting another surgery uh, the end of November. So does this affect your sleep? Can you not sleep? What's the problem? You know, what's the problem? Well, my, my teeth don't... Uh, only the, the back molars of my teeth connect, so uh -huh. I can't really chew food properly. Uh -huh. uh, it's, you know, it creates like... But you look like you eat healthy. Oh, I mean, yeah, you know, I, uh, I'm, I'm able to eat, but it creates so a lot of wear. So do you headaches or anything like that? No, it just creates wear and tear on my teeth. I have uh, receding gum lines on my molars. Oh, well, yeah, I do, To too. where I'm yeah, about yeah, to, yeah. They're about the to fall out. Yeah. yeah. Uh, just I have, have them uh, pull them out and give you a new pair. That's what I'm planning on. <laughs> That's what I mean, I'm, 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 you know, I'm gonna they have all, to have like, all these fucking. He's guy, a young man, though. He's yeah. Yeah, a young all these man. people want to just save. Oh, we gotta save it. It's like fuck saving it. Just pull it and give me another one. <laughs> well, he's at yeah. the. He's he's at the. Well, how the old Springtime of his years. I'm here. a 31 now. Yeah. 31. Oh, but I, I actually went to go into this process during the pandemic because it's like, well, if it's gonna take you me out the of saxophone, well. Because I had the time. Yeah, you time know? to recover. I was yeah. supposed to get this done when I was 21 years old, but oh, okay. I was 
trying to go on the road 100 days a year. You know, I can't right. take three months off a saxophone. Yeah. You know, now, <laughs> what, you're trying to what do that. toothpaste do you use? Uh, these days, I'm using, uh, I believe it's Colgate Prevident, oh, which is okay. a prescription-only uh, 5% fluoride toothpaste. See, I'm using Peridondex oh, because yeah. it helps with bleeding. Oh, nice. And yeah. my mouth is constantly bleeding. Wow. You know, so I'm, I'm using sorry to hear that. Para, para, ah, it's no big deal. The paradigm. <laughs> Manny doesn't uh, care. Don't care. <laughs> Stop bothering him. Yeah. Okay. No, I think this, again, the uh, first time that we've ever asked what, what t- type of toothpaste a guest is. Yeah. I like it. Yeah. See, 251 shows in, we're still finding new new questions <laughs> we've never asked before. Uh, anyway, so, uh, so, so you have this facing you. You're staring this down uh, just a few months away, huh? Yeah, uh, I'm. I'm looking forward to be done, being done with it. I've had right. braces for over two years now. Okay. Or, yeah, over two years, and uh, no, just about exactly two years. And yeah, I mean, I've just, you know, I've had to deal with all, you know, all the obstacles that having this underbite presents me right. for right. so, 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 so many years, and now it's. I'm finally going to be done with it. Nice man. <laughs> it's going to be I, great. I'm looking yeah. forward to that for for you, man. Thank you. For you. So uh, you're 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 out with uh, Naughty Professor and and uh, you know John Culbreth is a very enterprising guy. He's got a lot of energy. Um, I don't know how much he's involved in in uh, selling you guys as an independent horn section, but you guys have done very well as an independent horn section, right? Because there's a lot, a lot of, of work, yeah. a lot of bands like uh, some of these uh, like a rock band that might have one horn or no horns, or like you like you. Uh, you toured and recorded with Big Frida, who's right. you know uh, bounce act doesn't have any horns, but uh-huh. they can they can call you guys, and it's a, a unit that sounds good together, can self arrange, can uh-huh. can uh, you know, and that's yeah, that's really our advantage. Is it, not only are we all, you know, I'm I'm gonna av- avoid the uh, the polite humility here. Um, sure. The not only are we all very competent on our instruments individually and we can play you know we can play anything you throw at us we can play great solos over anything you throw at us we also have 12 years of experience 13 years of experience playing together as a unit so we know right we know each other's idiosyncrasies we know we have little our own little bag of tricks that we've developed over the years so we work quickly and we work as a unit we you know we have that cohesion both in the sound and in our, our our workflow Right, right. Um, it's it's interesting. Uh, so you know, I have this drummer I've played with since, like, the drummer in the Iguanas. He and I have been playing together since 1984. Right. And, and uh, you know, we'll be in the studio on on somebody's material, and, and we're having a conversation. I can see people watching us, and they go, "What the fuck are they talking about, man?" We go, "Well, just give me give me two more minutes, you know." And we finish. We go, "Okay, now we're ready to do the whole track," you yeah. know, and then. Then all the all the anticipations, all the you know the mm-hmm. style changes. It just happens. Like, wow, how'd you do that? It's like, well, <laughs> done this before, yes. <laughs> right? So, so, so you have that kind of thing. You guys still continuing to work uh, as, as the naughty horns? You guys hanging together? Yes. Uh, well, you know, our, our Nick Elman, our, our alto and Barry player, uh, he moved to L.A. recently. Okay. So it's been. Uh, mostly record from home gigs, which is uh, uh, a different animal, but it's still, you know, we're still able to deliver. You moved that. there for a woman? Uh, you moved there with a woman. Yeah, I thought <laughs> so. Uh, she's a photographer. Uh, yeah. they're, they're both doing very well out there now, though. Yeah. So, you know. 
He's right out on. playing with uh, Maroon 5 and a bunch ah, of other people. Okay. Yeah. It's a lot of music going on in the West Coast, man. Yeah. A lot of big acts. And, and Nick actually was the, uh, kind of the guy who was uh, getting a lot of the a lot of these recording gigs for us while okay. he was still in town. Right on. Uh, you know, he, what, he moved here. You know, he's uh, Ben Elman's cousin from Galactic. Oh, he is. I was, okay, right. I didn't realize they were related. I was wondering. And yeah. so he kind of knew a, a, a decent amount of people in the music scene mm-hmm. coming down here. And he's also, I mean, he's, he's such a monster of a player and just such a nice guy, such a charming guy, too, that he's able to... Uh, get gigs pretty easily and also make friends pretty easily and he, he's he's a great networker you know he's he's r- really the guy kind of like leading the charge on on getting us a lot of work and uh, uh, so you know things so that's good. that's got to be a be a uh, a loss that had oh that yeah you know we haven't haven't been doing as many nearly as many gigs since we moved yeah, to LA it's, so, it's you know. hard to keep a band <laughs> together man it uh, really is yeah, yeah. Uh, nothing lasts forever. That's what they say. And that's that's kind of why we're trying to move towards a more uh, recording-based, digital-based, education-based kind of business model with our band. Uh, you know, because during the pandemic, we kind of lost our momentum for touring. We sold our van, sold our trailer. Uh, so it's hard to f- even finance a, a, a big-scale tour these days. We do a lot of fly dates for university clinics, uh, PACs, right. uh, bigger festivals, stuff like that. PACs that'd be a performance arts center. Right? Exactly yeah, right. See, I've done yeah. this before. <laughs> right on. Well, you guys have been very played on some some uh, great artists. Like I mentioned, Big Frito. You also played and, and toured with uh, uh, and and did writing with uh, Tank and the Bangas. Yeah, that's right. Uh, Tank is on our upcoming record, actually, which should be out. Uh, I have no idea when. I'm hoping, <laughs> hoping by 2024, but we'll okay, see. Nice. Uh, yeah, she uh, wrote a. Uh, wrote the the vocals on one of our our new tracks, uh, and we did do a tour uh, with Tank of the Bangers and, and Big Frida. Actually, it was the same tour. Uh, nice. We we went on the road for what maybe a month, month that and a half. Been great, man! Oh, man, it was so much fun. Playing great yeah. venues. I mean, both right. those acts are huge. Yeah, you know, and uh, plenty and, of money to go around. And we were Frida's backing band too, so we nice. got to you know uh, uh, you know for those what who are act, man, what a yeah. fucking act. And so those who aren't familiar with our our music, our naughty professors' music, is a lot of you know Big, jazz is fusion. Is she the Lafonta girl? Yeah, oh, yeah, 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 she's yeah. the Juan Lafonta. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so did you have to do that on stage? We didn't do that one, uh, but okay. uh, it's a winner, man. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we, it, it, her music is so much fun to play. What about Bag of Donuts? They're my favorite New Orleans band. I've you never, never play played with them? with them. I mean, I've played in the spot before them at yeah. like French Quarter Fest. Uh, uh, I love them. Manny's favorite band. Yeah, my favorite New Orleans band. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. yeah. Um, but then, so uh, Tank and the Bang is also Dumpster Funk, another huge act you guys uh, right. yeah, did horns. some playing with. Uh, yeah, we, we, were, we were there horn section for a couple years. Right on. I also saw uh, you played on this uh, Afghan Wigs record. Uh, oh, uh, yeah. That, uh, you, you, <laughs> you remember? Man, that was years ago. <laughs> See, I do my, my research. Even, you know, you, you gave me a lot. I came up with more. Yeah. Uh, interesting uh, side note. I love these connections. I uh, saw the, another person that played on that record. I'm not sure if it was on the same tracks that you guys were on, but was uh, Petra Hayden. Who is one of the triplets, uh, triplet daughters of Charlie Hayden? No way. <laughs> and and the triplet sister of of uh, Rachel Hayden, who was a former guest of the Trouble Men podcast. Okay. Uh, great bass player, played with uh, that dog, and and uh, and great singer as well. So uh, it's, wow. it's it's all coming around. Here. Yeah. 
<laughs> and uh, also Ivan Neville. You you, uh, yes. you did some some writing and playing with him. Yes, he uh, on our identity record from 2016 or 2017, or whatever it was. Uh, he and Charlie Tuna from uh, one of the MCs from Jurassic Five right. collaborated on one of our tracks. Uh, Ivan wrote the hook, and uh, Charlie wrote a couple verses, and. Uh, Noah, I believe, wrote the music. Noah, our bass player. Mm -hmm. And yeah, it's a great track uh, called Sugarcoat. Um, and yeah, so that was, and that, I mean, I, I, I'd never, you know, I'd worked with him in Dumpster Funk, so I had that context, but I'd never seen him work as a sideman and a composer before. And just how quickly. He came out with that stuff. And Ivan just, is so talented, yeah, man. He, he's so soulful, man. He's, he did the whole thing in one take. Like, it was his warm-up take, and it was just perfect, you know? Yeah, man. <laughs> Unbelievable. I, I really dig Ivan. We had Such Ivan on the show during the uh, during the pandemic. Oh, uh, nice. One of the only times we almost lost a show uh, when we were doing it remotely over the computer. I had to actually go to his house during the pandemic, sit in his front room in freezing cold weather, and search through his laptop for oh, about an hour and man. a half to find <laughs> an unfinalized track. Now, an unfinalized track will not show up in a search, uh, <laughs> so okay. you have to find it. It's literally a needle yeah. in a needle stack. Anyway, <laughs> but uh, we got it. It's, it's there in the in the uh, in the. Uh, in the archives, it's a great show. Well, uh, Ian, I mean, so we're here in the, the dog days of summer. We both uh, p have played all of our gigs that we're going to play in August unless yes. somebody calls us to fill in <laughs> this weekend. So we're looking forward to uh, uh, cooler weather and uh, and the calendar filling up, I suppose. September 1st, that's the next big show. Free Friday, Tipitina's Naughty Professor. Right on. Okay. Uh, everybody put that in your calendar. and uh, you know, it's kind of we're kind of winding down. If any final words, if not, uh, uh, thank you so much for having me. Yeah, this is delightful. You've been That's, fun. Yeah, it's been great, man. And thanks for the Schlitz. Absolutely, yeah. you know, a man of man of uh, wealth and taste. Uh, well, uh, as always, Ian in the Trouble Men podcast, we like to say trouble never ends, but the struggle continues. Good night. Good night. Man, you learn to love is your father, but a small percentage are exempt from this equation. Searching for the personalities that are stronger, looking for the role models to fit for this occasion. Such as the case in the place where I originated. You'll face defeat if you beat and get refrigerated. Inundated with critics, very opinionated. The timid hated because they're easily intimidated. I was a midget and I hadn't faced puberty yet. Pops vanished and I would truly regret. I soon that he left my mom's. I hadn't faced maturity yet. Lack of examples or seeds for insecurity. I had to search for the spot filler, the pimps, pushers, and the block killers, the senators and mayors and the cops. They were not with us, would have been dope, but I was attracted to folks with the sugar coat. Keep it on the With admiration for the underworld I had no patience for the bigger fish that run the world Father was absent since my sister was a younger girl Looking for validation, I had but one referral The street pharmacist secretly selling sedatives Indiscreet targets that frequently sell that shit to your kids The peddlers of the oldest profession pushing punani to the lonely With no parental discretion advised 
Not embarrassed to embrace certain character traits And now I'm learning from my parents' mistakes Apparently stakes are high in this delicate charade I'm like an elephant parade more to torch the finish line You can't diminish my attributes Invented till the end of time And I'm strong enough to pull the boat Because I'm looking for the truth And not the folks that will sugarcoat Keep it on the Explanation is in order here. Clarification cleans the mud and makes the water clear. People whose motives are sugar coated better beware. This is for the poor and full of fear who can't afford a prayer. They say your spoonful of sugar helps the medicine go down, but it also helps to keep the predators around. And if you don't have a strong role model to aspire to pursue, the dark desires can distort your entire view. And since candy attracts children, hustle the sweet talk to expand and relax feeling. Stand in the back, chilling, how animals act, wait in the plan of attack, kill them soon as you act complacent. I'd hear them dribble grandma with the gift to gap and argue. They put the chisel and hammer, I was the slab of marble. Impressionable, but never ignore my morals. Cause what is good to you may not be good for you, sugarcoat.